Welcome to Wrestle Buddies, GameSpot's wrestling podcast about friendship, wrestling, and wrestling with friendship. I'm GameSpot Entertainment News Editor Matt Elfrey, and joining me is my closest and bestest Wrestle Buddy, GameSpot Entertainment Editor Chris Hayner. How you doing, Chris? I am actually doing fantastic, Matt. Wrestling with friendship sounds like a deeply therapeutic experience. It also sounds like we are going through some issues. It really does. Like, but we're going to make it out on the other end because honestly, we're both the baby face in this situation. Are we? Or am I going to heel turn on you and throw you through a barbershop window? <laughs> Matt, if the next time I see you, you wallop me in the head with a folding chair, we're going to have an issue. Oh boy, there's no issues here. Well, there's going to be some issues today because Chris, let them know what we got coming at their faces and ears. Ooh la la, you have turned in for a good one. Uh, we're going to be visiting our first ever visit, as a matter of fact, to the gimmick junk drawer. Ooh. We're, we're going we're gonna to go back and learn a little bit about the Kiss Demon. If you don't know who the Kiss Demon is, you're lucky until we get to that segment. Then I'm going to do it's going to be so hard not to sing Kiss songs because I am a Kiss fan or was at I, one point. I am I am also a fan of older Kiss music. Yeah. Uh and I, and you know what? I respect Gene Simmons' hustle to uh put the name Kiss on everything, including wrestlers. Do you? Anyway, <laughs> do uh, it. We're also <laughs> We are also going to learn. There's some knowledge we're going to get today as Matt is going to lead us in a lesson about the ring ropes. Oh, and boy. I'll tell and I'll tell you what. It's it's fascinating that like they're not actually ropes, but whatever. Uh, but before all of that, before any of that, Matt, you and I are going to have a very serious debate. I know you like to lean toward comedy. We like to be funny, but sometimes you have to be serious. And we're going to very seriously, probably not very seriously, discuss uh, the no audience shows that we're kind of stuck with until who knows when. Who's doing them better? Is it WWE or is it AEW? And Chris, let me tell you something. Right before we get into this, right before we kick things off, this, again, is a very serious debate. We will be docked points if we make any sort of silly references or jokes, which will ultimately lead to you winning the debate, because I can't maintain seriousness for more than 10 seconds. Also, I feel like we're both going to end up with just negative scores. Yeah, probably. You are all <laughs> you're all going to win at home. Sorry. I'm just I'm trying to get into a serious mindset and it is very tough. This was a poor, poor choice to pick because I can't keep a straight face. Let's have a serious debate right now. Yes. Uh, for the record, Matt will be taking up the pro AEW stance because he thinks he's too cool for the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And I will be and I will be pro WWE because I am this industry. Ugh, I'm like trip the PG like, channel. Ugh. I'm like I'm like Triple H. I am the game. Jr. I'll I don't be know who Jr. is. I'll be playing that horrible person on Twitter that pops into your replies when you talk about how much you like WWE. <laughs> Just don't tell them what I think about the Attitude Era. No, because no, they'll no. also be mad about that. Um, I do want to state before we get into this, uh, this is something Chris and I talk about personally all the time. We're just a fan of wrestling. I'm not a AEW or WWE guy. Chris, a same thing. We just love wrestling. Yeah, I watch both shows uh, with varying degrees of regularity, depending on what what's going on on any given week. Yeah. Also. It's easier to keep up with AEW's product because it's two hours versus six hours a week or seven hours a week. Jeez. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, no, we love wrestling. We're pro both of these companies because the more cool wrestling companies there are, the more cool wrestling there is for us to watch and the more cool wrestlers get really good jobs. But anyway, let's get let's get into the let's get into the meat of the Wednesday Night Wars. Well, that's what people are calling it. I'm not calling it that because I don't want a war. I want to. Yeah. <laughs> also, war is bad. It is bad. Like what? At what point are we like, you know, it's great war. No, sorry. So let's take a look at how WWE and AEW are handling the uh, COVID-19 pandemic and doing these you know, no audience shows. Uh, it's, it's pretty clear that there's no audience there. And, you know, as I've uh, talked to wrestlers, uh, those interviews you can see on GameSpot, uh, as I've talked to other wrestlers, you know, they, they all say the same thing that the, the audience reaction that kind of energizes them, that gives them the motivation to put on their best performance. And this, movement into no audience is uh it was a little shaky at first chris uh i i would absolutely agree uh it's i whereas like the wrestlers are having problems sort of getting that energy i'm having this i have the same problem getting that energy because i'm used to we are conditioned to expect screaming and booing and cheering and chants and everything we're so conditioned to expect that that watching wrestling shows without that is unnerving a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. And that's why you have to chant at home. Oh, and I do. Oh, yeah. I do. But like I live alone and I don't have a pet. So my Monday night Messiah chant isn't going well. <laughs> I just have my son chanting SCU over and over again. <laughs> oh, I just do that in my everyday life. Yeah. I'm at the grocery store because I live in Southern California and I don't know if you know this, Matt, SCU, the name SoCal Uncensored, they took that from a SoCal wrestling website. And I'm busy chanting CM Punk being outside of Chicago. That's the only thing we know how to say here is just CM Punk, CM Punk. It's, it's why, I mean, you, you, I'm assuming you shop at the same grocery store. We all shop at the same grocery yeah. store here. Chicago is very small. Uh, so there are, both shows have no, uh, nobody at ringside. They're trying to put on matches and it's progressively gotten a lot better. And well, I, let's let's say this. Both shows have no publicly admitted audience at ringside. Yes. There are no there are no fans at ringside. There are sometimes other wrestlers at ringside. And that brings me to my first point, Chris. What I have enjoyed the most of this uh between these two companies trying to put on these no audience shows is that for a while and they're still kind of doing it. Uh AEW had other wrestlers on the sidelines, you know, it's the sidelines. <laughs> it's football now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what I've enjoyed the most is moments like MJF and and Sean Spears, like sharing wine together and yelling at people. Or you get to see a lot of talent that can't be on a two hour show every single week, hanging out, doing fun things. Colt Cabana being just, you know, a goof because that's Mm -hmm. why am I not chanting Colt Cabana? He's Chicago. Anyway, he's not as he's not as popular as CM Punk. For, and for me, since that's been kind of the stable for AEW since this all really started, that's kind of the main reason I've gravitated more towards the AEW shows. I understand that. Uh, my only issue is that it's inconsistent, which I understand like nothing is consistent at this point. Yeah. But I, I do rem- I do recall the episode where they were like, we can't have people at ringside. We're just going to put five people backstage in a locker room and have them scream at a camera. I was kind of into that. 
I hated it. I thought this is so weird. Everything about this is weird. At least when they're at ringside, they can actively taunt the wrestlers in the yeah. ring. Like, so if Cody's wrestling a match and MJF and Sean Spears are at ringside drinking wine, they both hate Cody. Mm-hmm. So like they can just catcall and taunt Cody for the entire match. And that's entertaining. I get that. But then you cut back to uh, I, I was calling it a trailer in my mind for some reason, because it just made sense to see, you know, Adam Page drinking in a trailer watching the show. Yeah, that's fair. I will. He's I will the, he is. I will say this. He is the one I would just watch a can Like if they just had a picture in picture window of Page watching the show, drinking beer, not doing anything, not saying anything, just watching the show intently with a beer in his hand. I'd, I'd be into that. And I kind of want to go into a counterpoint here of AEW's programming, even though I'm terrible at debate, guys. I think I just realized I suck at debate. Yeah, Matt, help me win. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that's going on within AEW weekly programming, you, you have to get so much of that from BTE. Um, the Being the elite, the, you know, AEW's weekly YouTube show, which has been going on for like 200 episodes since before AEW was a thing. And so I feel like I'm like, yeah, man, like watching Hangman Page get drunk is hilarious. I'm like, wait a minute, like that's kind of talked about on TV, but that's really a being the elite thing. Yep. And now I feel like I'm just digging a hole. Well, here, I'll dig you out of that hole and I'll offer up my first pro WWE point. Okay. Um, WWE has, obviously they are, I don't know if you know this, Matt, they're a gigantic company. They're very big. And thus, and thus have the luxury of their own space. Uh, so they've been doing their weekly shows out of their own personal gym, which you and I have both been to. Yes. It's an impressive gym, but like you wouldn't expect it to be set up for a television program. No, I mean, we, we watched uh, a couple matches there and, um, I never thought like they could put on a whole show there. I was like, oh no, this is just a workout area with like five rings in it. I watched Norman Smiley get beat up by like 15 women because <laughs> he was training the girls that day. He was. Um, it, it's it's a very cool space and I love that th what they've done with it and that they actually make use of the entire facility. They fight mm -hmm. throughout it. Uh, obviously I like, I personally wasn't a fan of the edge and Randy Orton match at WrestleMania, but it made fantastic use of that space. And the same goes with, uh, oh, the, 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 the massive, massive beatdown angle between Johnny Gargano and Tomasa Ciampa yes. on, on NXT, like watching them just try to destroy each other in the gym, in the offices. I think they met it, but made it back to the green screen room. Like they were everywhere all throughout that complex. And it was great. But here's a counterpoint to that. Like how often can you do that before it stops becoming special? At least on AEW, it's just, it's, it's primarily, you know, 99% wrestling matches. And if with NXT WWE, or I'm sorry, SmackDown and raw, if you're continuously going you know, backstage, you know, fighting in that conference room that has the steel cage hanging above it, which that really does exist there, by the way. Uh, you know how special that it loses the kind of specialness to it. I I do agree. And I, I, I also agree that AEW has continued to have high quality special matches. But for my money, this plays back into the lack of audience and a lack of people cheering for high spots, cheering for like near falls, people counting along with the ref during pinfalls. Like those are things that make wrestling for me and watching it. Like I'm glad it sounds terrible, but like, I'm glad the young bucks have been off TV throughout 
this entire thing because I think without the audience reaction, I don't know how well like a like a, a Lucha Brothers fest. Young Bucks match would work. Yeah, yeah, a, I don't know. As we saw with the WrestleMania ladder match for the tag team, t- the triple threat singles ladder match for the tag team championships. Yes. Uh, it just it there's something that gets lost in translation when you're doing high spots with no one there to witness them. Yeah. I, I will say, um, going back to uh, AEW, they've been doing mm-hmm. things, keeping things uh, fun and refreshing. And I know you disagree with some of this. We talked previously about it, uh, but we're getting storylines like Brody Lee coming over as the exalted one. And you can get to that in a second, Chris. I, I'm enjoying it because uh, I feel like Brody Lee can be Brody Lee again. And I know he's kind of put into a weird gimmicky thing with Dark Order, which all in all sucks, but I love it. <laughs> Uh, it's great to see him again. We also have Matt Hardy still doing the broken thing. Yes, it's very, very done. Uh, but it adds some different flavor to what's going on in AEW. And then mm-hmm. there is also weird things that the inner circle is doing, like the bubbly bunch, which is a 1 million percent thing that's from BTE or should be on BTE. But we're kind of getting these little something different with AEW. That They're giving us something more than just wrestling they're they're giving us uh and I know it, it kind of feeds more into the sports entertainment side of things, which AEW is I don't think trying to be at all, but it's helped weathering the storm that we're kind of in right now. Uh as uh, I have both a response and a counterpoint to that. Okay. Uh I think the Brody Lee stuff is uh t- terrible. I hate you. Uh the the problem with Brody Lee is that Yes, we all know him from his run in WWE as, I think, Eric Rowan. No, it's Luke Harper. Luke Harper, whatever. You're a terrible he was one, wrestling fan. He, he, was one of the, he was one of Wyatt's, Bray Wyatt's lackeys. Um, he's the one that wasn't carrying around a spider in a cage. Yeah. Uh, it's, he's, the, the my issue, like, I had an issue with Brody Lee from his uh, debut forward because he was, I understand that, like, there's only so much you can do in a pandemic situation, but his gear was terrible. He looked like a low rent indie wrestler and he's supposed to be the person sort of running this game. Mm-hmm. Also, you mentioned that like, finally Brody Lee gets to be Brody Lee again. Most people don't know who Brody Lee is. I know I, as, as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, Oh God, I'm going to pay for saying that because that's kind of a well, stupid thing to say. <laughs> like, like I understand he had a career before WWE, but like it wasn't his, he didn't have necessarily a well-defined character. No, no, no. I, I, I uh, think when I, when I mean, when I say that now, let me clarify is that he gets to be himself instead of man attached to the Wyatt family. Cause even when he was tag teaming with Rowan, you, I mean, yeah, they're the bludgeon brothers and they're vicious or whatever, but they're still the Wyatt family guys, you know, like you can't right. get out of that shadow of Bray Wyatt. I don't, don't know how Strowman did it, but he did it. Um, but the, everybody else, it's too hard to get out of that shadow when Wyatt's such a, he's a genius, you know, like, He's very much an overpowering uh, mental image and mm-hmm. figure. Um, uh, as for Matt Hardy, that is a very defined character, but I'm so sick and tired of broken Matt Hardy. I know I'm not in the majority on this. I I found it interesting when it was in TNA and on the indies. I thought it was weakened in WWE, and now I'm just kind of over it. And it bums me out because Matt Hardy is so, so good at mm-hmm. reinvention. I remember when he became version one, and it was magnificent. Yes. Um Th- that said, it sells, so I understand why they're doing it. So good on them. And the bu- I-, I can't argue the bubbly bunch. The bubbly bunch is just the best. 
Okay, I thought you were going to say it was stupid. I'm like, but it was just... No, no, no. There, it's, fanta- it's fantastic. There's a moment in the first one, um, first one, the moment in the Bubbly Bunch that I love, and it's Chris Jericho on his on his stove, like the electric stove pouring orange juice, mm-hmm. and then it cuts to him, like he's still on the phone talking to somebody, and it cuts to him just like pouring the orange juice everywhere, and then cuts back, and it's perfectly in the glass, and I'm like, this is, yes, perfect, like... There's continuity errors. It's silly. It's dumb. But like, that's kind of Chris Jericho's character in AEW right now. So it's like, it's so fitting. It also reminds me a lot of WCW era, Chris Jericho, which is kind of a fun thing to jump back to. Uh, But I will say this is my counterpoint. Uh, WWE may not have things like the bubble. Like WWE is struggling a bit with the more do it yourself video. Like they did a Viking Raiders carpool karaoke thing that was just bad yeah. it was terrible it was bad uh but on the flip side while they may not have those moments or the high quality spot fest type of matches that AEW is known for they have been doing some really incredible more cinematic work uh i honestly the boneyard match and the firefly Flunhouse match from wrestlemania are two of the greatest wrestlemania matches of all time and i will argue that until my dying days. I will completely agree with you, actually. They're fantastic. They're, they're different. They're new. They're original. And yes, you could say that like Matt Hardy sort of, sort of helped usher in the era of the cinematic wrestling match. But like these two, these two bouts took it to such a di- completely different extremes. And they both were in my mind flawless. I want to go back to that Matt Hardy point. It's it's, I hear a lot of people saying that I'm, I say here, I'm seeing a lot of people say it on Twitter. Like, well, this wouldn't exist if it weren't for Matt Hardy. It's like, but a lot of different wrestling stuff wouldn't exist if it weren't for someone breaking through and trying something new. So it's also, you, you also, you could argue that it wouldn't exist without say uh Roddy, Roddy Piper and gold dust fighting on a Hollywood back lot. Exactly. Uh, it, it's, it's all about, taking something that already exists, reinventing it, making it new. And it's, and it's awesome that WWE is like kind of leaning into this type of stuff because it was produced wonderfully. Both of those segments, Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it was perfect for WrestleMania and I want to see more of it. And if you want to see more of it, you're doing your job and it doesn't matter if Matt Hardy was doing weird stuff first. There was always somebody doing something else prior and then the capper on all that is, uh, for my money, one of the best just flat out matches this year. Uh, and that is the the latest and maybe probably not final confrontation between Gargano and Ciampa. Yeah. In in like just an empty warehouse with a ring. Uh, it was disturbingly vicious in all of the best ways. It And it's something that wouldn't have been like I obviously they were hoping to hype this match up and have it be on truly probably the main event mm-hmm. of whatever the takeover before WrestleMania was going to be this year, but putting them in this new and unique setting and allow that allowing them to just go with it created an incredible match that we wouldn't have gotten on a regular pay-per-view. We wouldn't have gotten in a live arena show. I I always think about Gargano and Ciampa because these guys have been fighting each other forever and it's never boring. I'm I'm ready to watch them wrestle again now. And I love the fact that it's flipped and scumbag heel Ciampa is the hero and the white meat baby face Johnny Gargano <laughs> is an evil villain. And he's even turned oh he's even turned Candace LeRae evil and I can't handle that, Matt. One half of the world's cutest tag team? Oh, 
She's so wonderful. I, Thank you. You know, within WWE programming, there has been a mix-up on the commentary team that we're not getting that kind of same chemistry that we're getting from AEW, which is Excalibur and Tony Schiavone. And I feel like Tony Schiavone and Excalibur have just been nailing it out of the park. They are bringing that high level of commentary, which is making the matches so much more exciting. And Jim Ross as well. I do not want to forget Jim Ross. I just skipped over him while talking about them. Whatever. Um, I I would actually I would actually agree with you. Uh, <clears throat> WWE's commentary has been lacking for my money. Uh, there's only so much Michael Cole can do by himself mm-hmm. usually uh, on SmackDown and Morrow and the NXT. They're, they're I believe they're recording from home. They're not even there. So like there's a bit of a disconnect. Oh, I like uh, that idea though. I, I think it's a good idea. I don't know if it's always working for me. It's better in person to to talk to somebody. Like if this podcast was me and you in the same room, it'd be a million times better. But instead, you get a million percent bet. I, none of these numbers make sense. Oh, you're like Scott Steiner. You know what? I, um, I had to dock myself a point. I got a little silly there. There you go. Uh, I would, But here's what I would say that is sort of a positive for both of these uh, companies. It's when they bring in a wrestler to join them on commentary. AEW's done it far more. Mm-hmm. They've given both Cody Rhodes and Chris Jericho a lot of time to work commentary, and they're both just great at it. Yes. Uh, when WWE first went to no audience shows, Triple H uh, like was commentator with Michael Cole on SmackDown, and it was yeah. very funny. But it was very funny because Triple H was just trying to make Cole look like a fool the whole time. It was yeah, it was it was funny and it was fun, but it wasn't good. It was like it was entertaining enough for me where I was like, okay, this is enough. Um, This is like some because sometimes, especially in a situation like this, that's what I need. Mm -hmm. I just need a little bit of levity. That's why I also love the times they've put Asuka on commentary. She's great because it's entertaining chaos. And you know what? That's okay right now. Um, I so yes, I would say AEW gets the nod for the commentary, though, because theirs has been top notch the entire time. Uh, However. I know you mentioned some characters that are sort of thriving on AEW yeah. uh, that I don't necessarily agree with, but you know, it's fine. Uh, I wanted to highlight one character I think is doing fantastic uh, in WWE at the moment. And that's Seth Rollins. Rollins is coming off a major loss at WrestleMania and immediately challenging for the championship. Mm-hmm. And it should feel undeserved, especially since he's a bad guy. Like, it should feel like he doesn't deserve the chance to be champion right now. But uh, the Monday Night Messiah character for me is something that is just so well done in silence. Mm-hmm. When he it, it it feels like in a very weird, very wrestling way, it feels like church. It feels like he is preaching to a quiet church about the greatness that is seth rollins and i think that is so good for that character that like i'm only growing to love hate rollins more i i think that i would i would agree completely um when it comes to wwe i feel like their their wrestlers get um a little bit deeper into the character um as a whole as a whole there um Mm -hmm. and they play well to these kind of their characters that they're embodying um, on television. And, and Seth Rollins is, I think he's finally found his, you know, he's, he's finally found his groove with the Monday night Messiah character here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, uh, I, and, I'd say, and that's exciting to watch. Yeah, it is. 
And I'd say that's something that's it's lacking very much in AEW, aside from people like Chris Jericho and Matt Hardy. But, you know, you're talking about Chris Jericho and Matt Hardy. These are two of the best character performers in all of wrestling probably ever. Well, and I feel like that that is just a major knock against AEW as a whole is it hasn't quite figured out character development no, yet. or storylines um, or or like, yeah, longer term storylines yeah. or longer term character arcs. And I think it'll get there eventually. Yeah, it's still new. It's just right now. And especially since they keep bringing in new faces, it's hard. Like there is so much that could be done with uh jurassic express best friends in orange cassidy there are so many names that are like these could all be credible main event players mm-hmm. but they're not and because and th- again that goes to my con side of why aren't they doing more bte stuff on aew because i watch you as well we watch bte every week and i feel like i know these characters and their storylines and everything so so well but if i was just watching aew i might feel like a little bit lost I, I might feel like no one's really well defined, but I I can't I don't think I can judge that with like fresh eyes because I'm so invested in BTE. Uh, and I have one more point, and I think it's just kind of I think I, I think our points kind of match, but in opposite directions. I think they directly oppose each other. Um, I am th- what impresses me about what WWE is doing <clears throat> is that they are doing it for seven hours a week plus pay per views. And still managing to stay fresh. Um, there was a period of time, and it still happens here and there, where they were relying for my money too much on old matches, old tape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that definitely led to some lulls in the programming. But I look at how much they're trying to accomplish with a a a limited roster, b a dearth of like their top names. Like Roman Reigns hasn't been seen or heard of since before WrestleMania for good reasons, for like very legitimate reasons, obviously. Yeah. But like like love him or hate him, Roman Reigns is the face of WWE at this point, and he's agree. not there. Yeah. Uh, Undertaker haven't seen him since Mania. John Cena haven't seen him since Mania. Like these are the these are the big names that sort of draw people in. And WWE has had to sort of fill those gaps mm-hmm. and it's been, it's been rough, but given how much programming they've been putting out on a weekly basis, like it's impressive to me. They also, uh, and again, I'm going to point this out. They also have a very, very strong women's division, which on mm. its own is some of the best wrestling in the country. Absolutely. The women's division in WWE, even even at times when like the women's division isn't being served with great storylines or say they are forgetting that the tag team titles exist. Mm-hmm. Um, the women come out and just put on the greatest matches. And the women's tag team championship match at WrestleMania was the best regular match for my money at, at that entire pay-per-view weekend. I would agree. It was fantastic. And what's more, the the three different women's title, ma- like singles titles matches were all wonderful. Yeah. Like I loved the women stole WrestleMania as far as like non-cinematic matches go. And that's because WWE has filled its roster with incredibly talented women and is letting them do their thing, which AEW, AEW has a strong, strong, strong roster of women. But like it's run into some issues in getting them over. Yes. I feel like it's having a the same problem WWE was having, you know, the when the women's revolution first started. 
Right. That they have the talent. They they aren't giving them, and I have no way of proving that, but they, they aren't giving them the uh, the airtime or like sandbox playability that, you know, the women's division WWE has now. Absolutely. Well, that's the end of our debate. And uh, let me just check the scores here. We're both winners, Chris. We did it. Oh, I won? Actually, no, wait, you won because I have negative one for trying to be silly. Ha ha! Apparently, WWE wins the uh, the coronavirus pandemic showcase. Uh, can we commission a champion, a WrestleBuddies championship debate title that I can wear? Is that a thing? I think call we can C- do that. Call CBS. <laughs> Let's call CBS and like call Stephen Colbert. We'll see. We'll see if he can make it happen. He runs CBS. Yeah. All right. But let's move on because we got bigger, crazier, weirder, worse topics to talk about. For the first time ever, we are voyaging deep, deep, deep into the gimmick drunk drawer. Uh, Wrestling, Matt, I don't know if you know this, is filled with just so many terrible bad characters. I have no idea what you're talking about. That are largely forgotten about. I mean, there's Bastion Booger. Love him. There's Irwin R. Scheister. Oh, do not do not diss Mike Rotunda in my presence. Sorry, Bo Dallas's dad. <laughs> I still believe. I'm sure you do. Disco Inferno is a hot garbage gimmick that should just <laughs> never have happened. Um, don't don't. I hope he doesn't listen to this. He'll probably tweet angry things. Um, but today we're talking about another WCW complete and total failure. We're talking about the Kiss Demon. When we say Kiss, we are talking about that legendary 70s rock band Kiss that became a really scummy, weird band in the 80s that all talked about sex and then became the masked rock band in the 90s that wasn't as good. Knights in Satan's service. <laughs> Is that, isn't that what it's supposed to stand for? I think supposedly? that's what like, parent, uh, parental like anti-Kiss groups said it stood for. Yeah, I've seen Detroit Rock City. I know what's up. <laughs> if you play it backwards, there's a recipe for chicken gumbo. Ooh, that's a Simpsons reference. <laughs> All right, set the stage for us, Matt. The year is 1999. It's 1999. WCW is is losing the Monday Night Wars against WWF at the time. WCW was losing the Monday Night Wars, you say? They were getting lower ratings? They were getting ratings that were actually lower. And... You know, when you want to bring new people into a product, the best thing to do is to bring in celebrities. So, oh, like who? Chris, I am so glad you you asked me that. During the 1998 to 2000 run, we saw WCW World Heavyweight Champion David Arquette, who I still love and I will I will defend to my dying days. Uh-huh. Um, Master P and his No Limit Soldiers. Oh. Jay Leno. Oh, yeah, sure. Basketball man Carl Malone. Basketball man, that's how you describe, that's his nickname, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Chicago Bulls defender of all time, Dennis Rodman, who is also a basketball man. Do you mean the worm? The worm, yeah. The, the worm. worm, Dennis Rodman? The guy I picked in NBA Jan Turner edition. Nice. And then that leads us to the Kiss Demon. Okay, Matt, before we dive into this, I have to ask he's a actually, question. He's not even a celebrity. <laughs> I just realized this. Who, what audience is WCW trying to pack in when they're like, okay, get us David Arquette, Master P, and Jay Leno? What is the common audience there? Um, 
Like all I remember about Master P and the No Limit Soldiers is like their ugly album artwork and make them say, uh, you never owned Silk the Shaka's album like I did. No, I had taste. Yeah, I don't. There's no common thread. It's just celebrities. That means people like them. And that means people will tune in because people like them. But here's the thing. The Kiss Demon, not a celebrity. The Kiss Demon is instead like some weird endorsement deal. Yeah. So Gene Simmons was making endorsement deals with WCW. And uh, the plan was that all of Kiss Kiss's characters, you know, uh, the demon, the spaceman, star, Ma- the star child and uh, the cat, Peter Chris. Well, it no, wasn't Peter Chris. Ernest, Ernest, Ernest Miller. <laughs> yes, it was, it was going to be Ernest Miller. Yes. Did you not? Did you not know that Ernest the Cat Miller was in the Kiss Warriors? <laughs> oh boy! So the plan was to make their on stage uh, their on stage characters into wrestlers with Gene Simmons, the Demon, being the very first one. And so they signed this weird deal uh, with WCW and Gene Simmons slash Kiss, and. They had uh, Brian Adams, who you might remember from WCW. Summer of 69. No, not that Brian Adams. That's, <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. This is Brian Adams, who you might remember from NWO WCW Revenge as the character you pass and never choose. Oh, Chronic. <laughs> it was Chronic, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he was one half of Chronic. He was one half of Chronic later on. That terrible tag team. So he um, dressed up as this Kiss Demon wrestler, and to announce the, the new wrestler, uh kiss played on nitro the song god of thunder great song and here's the thing if you're if you enlist kiss to perform on your show and it's introducing a new kiss themed wrestler how are you not like detroit rock city uh any like big kiss hit why god, god of thunder, of thunder? Was a song it's not like i would not say that god of thunder is like a top 10 kiss song oh i would I would like they should have played Love Gun, really turn that audience on their heads. Love Gun is appropriate. I disagree. (laughs) So as they're playing, Brian Adams in the uh, in this costume is in a sarcophagus. It's really stupid looking. Honestly, it just it also also Brian Adams just looks like someone dressed up as Gene Simmons for Halloween. He's cosplaying. That's all it is. So he rises up and he gets introduced and everybody goes wild, except they didn't. No, because nobody cared because it was 1999. It was not 1979. <laughs> like, like this. I don't even I think this is even like after like the Psycho Circus tour. Yes. That was seven ninety seven. Ninety eight. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Something around that. So like like even the revival of Kiss was in its waning days. Exactly. And so this segment of WCW Nitro. Featuring Kiss playing, debuting the Kiss Demon was the lowest rated segment in Nitro history, period. Is it really? That's something because there's some really terrible things that have happened on Nitro. Like, I'm sure you can go to two weeks prior to the last episode and to be like, oh, I guess Kiss is rated lower than this. I want you to keep in mind that Kiss Kiss performing God of Thunder on Nitro was so bad that it garnered a lower rating than uh, Judy Bagwell. Any Judy Bagwell segment. Literally any Judy Bagwell segment did a better rating than Kiss and the Kiss Demon. Isn't that messed up? 
It's weird to think about. And and here's the thing. This wasn't just a deal to bring in Kiss wrestlers and for Kiss to perform on Nitro. The ultimate goal was supposed to be a joint WCW pay-per-view and Kiss concert on New Year's Eve that year. Yeah. That were uh, like WCW matches were going to happen and Kiss was going to perform at midnight. And it was going to be this major thing in a stadium. And it was supposed to be huge. Guess what? None of that ever happened. It was dead on arrival. Brian Adams said, uh, no, thanks. I'm not doing this. I love that. Brian Adams was like, no, I decided I don't want to be kiss. Yeah. And they passed it on to Dale Torborg, uh, who you would never know. It was just kind of a mid Carter at that time. Uh, so Dale took on the role of the demon and you got to see him wrestle at Super Bowl 2000 and a very special main event, which took place towards the beginning of the pay-per-view because, uh, with this deal with Gene Simmons and Kiss, WCW had to give the Demon a main event pay-per-view match. However, Dale was kind of a fledgling mid-carder, and, you know, obviously after the first appearance, it didn't work out. They're not going to put that in the main event. Like, who's going to buy that pay-per-view? So they dubbed the match versus The Wall at Super Bowl 2000 a very special main event and just kind of threw it in the beginning, and that's the last we saw of the Demon. It really kind of blows my mind that they didn't even like put him in there against a name that could draw. Exactly. Like the wall. Really? Of all the people you could put the demon in there. Like put him in there with like have him put Hulk Hogan over or something like Hulk Hogan did that to everybody. Right. Yeah. Like just it's it's bad. It was during a time in the 90s where like celebrities were everywhere in wrestling because the ratings for, you know, these later Attitude Era shows were starting to dwindle. Like, do you remember ICP? I I do remember ICP. Didn't the demon wrestle with ICP? I be, I believe he did. I believe he did. Yeah. Like like yeah. Didn't he sh- he shed the kiss name and just became the demon? He still looked exactly like Gene Simmons. That's right. Uh, but like he hung out with Vampiro and the Insane Clown Posse for no apparent reason. Let me reiterate that the 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 Super Bowl thing was the last time that deal with Kiss was yes after that the deal was kind of gone and what's dale gonna do he's just gonna you know you just i guess keep going with the demon thing until and then yeah i'm i actually just looked this up he eventually also turned against vampiro and they feuded and then didn't vampiro get involved with the misfits i think so and i remember the time vampiro fought sting and like uh we got to set the one another on fire match it was all it's all stupid but uh ultimately what it led to was uh wcw was bought by wwe and uh torberg just didn't set up a tryout to join the company and went back to working in baseball i think it was one of those things where it's just like well i was the demon that's as high as i go see you later wrestling (laughs) however that wasn't as high as well that that's as high as he went but that's not all he did uh he came back in TNA, like early days TNA. Really? Not as the demon, as Dale Torberg. Oh, oh, okay, okay. He 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 came back. He came back with uh, a baseball player. It did not last long. <laughs> you don't say. I I know what you're. Th- I know I know what you're thinking. How surprising that the Kiss Demons run in TNA <laughs> didn't go over super well. It didn't. It's fine. We'll always have the terrible, terrible Kiss Demon character. Uh, and, oh, it's... I know, we know, WCW went down in flames. But, like, seeing how much money 
they invested in things like the Kiss Demon and a deal with Kiss. Mm-hmm. And literally got nothing for it. It's shocking, sad, but also kind of silly. Well, Chris, let's close up that uh, that gimmick drunk drawer for we're, we're done. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, Dale. Bye, Dale. Urk. That was a real sound effect I made with my, no- my noise. He <laughs> wants to rock and roll all night and party sometimes during the day. I know that there are people out there listening to this. Probably not many, but I would like many too. Uh, when I say not many, I mean people that aren't fans of wrestling or don't watch wrestling or don't know a lot about wrestling. What's wrestling? It's professional. Chris, before I became a uh, a wrestle buddy and in years prior, I was actually a very short while a teacher and a tutor. And I, uh, I taught a lot of people a lot of things, Chris. And Chris, I want to teach the people out there listening to this uh-huh. a little something about wrestling and, and the magical world of wrestling. Oh, okay. So wait, are we going to learn about like pyrotechnics or... Ooh, how one becomes a WWE superstar. We're doing flatbacks, guys. And no, we're going to learn about the weird things in wrestling, the things I find oh. bizarre. Okay. So let's go. Let's have a little wrestling one-on-one. One-on-one. <laughs> I'm not going to fight you, Matt. <laughs> we're not going to fight. Let's have a wrestling 101. As I explain to you guys how the ropes work. Uh, Matt, I hope, I hope before you tell us how they work, you're going to tell us what they are because they're not ropes. Well, they're called ropes. They, mm-hmm. they are not. Sometimes they are garden hoses. <laughs> I've, I've been to a show where the ropes were garden hoses. That doesn't work well. Spoilers. If you're going to put together an independent wrestling show, don't use garden hoses because they stretch way too far. Most of the time, they're just these metal cables that are just wrapped in duct tape. Yeah, from what I understand, they're essentially elevator cables wrapped in duct tape. Yeah, and on rare Which occasions, sounds they break. Horrible. It sounds, and you'll see it. Like what people wrestle like their back gets all screwed, like marked up from that. Yeah, well, it's weird when you watch wrestling as a fan and don't know any better. Um, the just running the rope seems like the easiest thing on earth. Mm-hmm. If you've ever actually been in a ring and felt the ropes, it's horrible. Let's talk about how these ropes work, Chris. Um, the the wrestling ring ropes, they do, they do a few very normal, very regular things. Like if you're in a match and you're being pinned and the person being pinned holds onto the rope, it's a rope break. If you're being yes. submitted and you get to the ropes, it's a rope break. You can't, you can't submit or pin the guy anymore or lady. Yeah. It, if if they reach the ropes while you're pinning or te- or using a submission move on them, you have to break the pin and break the submission move. Perfect. Easy. Now let's get to the super weird stuff. Okay. There's a little move called an Irish whip where you just grab a wrestler and you just throw them at either the turnbuckle or the ropes. Or if you're outside the ring, you throw them at a table usually. Mm-hmm. Now, me or you in the real world, Chris, if someone does that to me, I'm probably just going to fall forward so I don't move anymore and just stop all the momentum or I just won't run or just stop. (laughs) Just stop in general. However, if you hit those ropes, you will bounce back with the same force and velocity you were thrown in into them uh, and your feet just happen to move. So the ropes kind of magically bounce you back at people. Because in the world of wrestling, being thrown into the ropes uh, has a magical effect on you where you are no longer in control of your own body. No, not at all. It, you are you are just a puppet for a magical wrestling puppeteer. 
So you're going to bounce off those ropes and right into the waiting, I'm assuming, foot or fist of your opponent. Exactly. Or get thrown in. You'll get grappled or something like that. Now, spine buster. Let's let's talk about, you know, climbing these ropes, Chris. Now, oh, Matt, don't do that. That's against the rules. It is against the rules, which I actually did not know until I was writing this stuff with the outline for this. <laughs> did you did you really not know that? I like I think I it's one of those things where like I probably knew it in the back of my head. Um but it's not like something that constantly sits with me. So if, if you climb a turnbuckle, the referee will start counting to five because climbing the turnbuckle is illegal. Yes. And will get you there disqualified. Is, there is a weird list of uh, rules in professional wrestling that they never actually discuss. It's also like it, it's it's against the rules to punch someone. Did you know that, Matt? Huh? So I learned this as a fan in sort of the late attitude era. Mm hmm. Close fisted punches are against the rules. There would be moments when like a wrestler, like a bad guy wrestler punch a good guy wrestler in the face and the ref would be like, hey, 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 open those hands up because open handed slaps are allowed. But I believe punches are not. OK, that makes sense. It's very stupid. So you can't climb the you can't climb the turnbuckle. Um, you can do moves from the top rope. Uh, barring this five count from the ref that never actually happens. And if you do a move from that top rope, like an arm drag or, you know, like Undertaker's, uh, whatever it's old school, it's called, which is the dumbest old thing school. in the world or the phenomenal forearm. It hurts a whole lot more than actually just doing the move on the ground. Like probably like 20 times more. It's true. If Undertaker walked halfway across the top rope and then fell on you, it could kill you. It, it would. But if he just kind of, fell on you you would just immediately get up absolutely because matt i don't know if you know this he's a whole three feet off the ground he is it's so high <laughs> uh now if you're doing a move off the turnbuckle or the top ropes um you say you do a splash that's gonna hurt however if you do a thing like a frog splash where you move your hands in then out very quickly as you're in the air it hurts even more which it hurts i would say twice as much as a regular splash because I'm assuming by moving your hands in and out, it's sort of like flapping your wings mm -hmm. like you're a bird or a frog, I guess. And you fall faster? Absolutely. Okay. It's physics, Matt. And what what I've learned is, uh, and what most wrestling fans know, the more flippy things you do in the air before you land an opponent, the more it's going to hurt. Yeah. So a moonsault is going to hurt more than a splash. Uh, you could do a 540, which is a one and a half turns in the air onto a person. That's going to hurt a lot. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I think I meant to say 450. Yes. That, okay, yes. 450. There's the 540 centon, which is a lot of turns. <laughs> it's it's on. Yeah, it's I've seen a full double backflip moonsault. And I was like, it looks to me like you are hitting them softer, but they're selling it as if they've been hit with a shotgun blast. Yeah. I, I think the, the pinnacle of the flips in the air is the, uh, is Pox blacks, uh, black arrow, which is a corkscrew shooting star press. It looks insane when you watch it. Uh, but that hurts the most because that has the most flippies and turnies in the See, air. What, what I will say about that is that move actually to me looks like it hurts because he nails it like body to body every time. Mm -hmm. Whereas a move like Ricochet, Ricochet does an incredible 630 splash. Yes. Where it looks like he's spinning for five solid minutes just in the air spinning while we're all waiting for him to come down. 
But then he it usually only his head lands on the midsection. I'm like, I understand this is cool, but it doesn't look like it hurts very much because you're barely touching the guy. But as a counterpoint, Finn Balor has his uh, I don't remember the name of it, but he just stomps on you <laughs> from the, the top coup rope. de gras. Coup de gras. Thank you. So he just jumps up the top rope and then just his feet land on your chest. Yeah, Finn doesn't straight. have time for your Finn doesn't have time for your nonsense flips. He just wants to like step on you and, and, hard. And that is the one that hurts one of the most. And he does no flips. No. Nope. Well, Finn is a magician and a demon, so you know. Here's some other rules about the ropes that uh, this actually makes kind of sense because we're going to battle royale mo- uh, rules where um, if you are thrown over the top rope in a battle royale situation, you are eliminated. And that's the only way to usually be eliminated from those type of matches. So that's a real rule. That's yeah, because it used to be back in the olden days, guys, if you remember, if you got throw throwing someone over the top rope onto the floor was actually illegal during the 80s and I'd say early 90s. In a regular wow, match. Was it, was it really? Yeah, during a regular match. Not like a Royal Rumble situation or Battle Royale is different, but you weren't allowed to throw people over top ropes. That's so dumb. That might have been just the 80s, though. I think they got rid of that when the Royal Rumble kind of blew up. Also, when Cactus Jack clotheslined everyone over the top rope. Exactly. <laughs> it was his only move. Uh, finally, the other weird thing about the ropes is there's a rope within a rope, and it's in, the, in tag team matches in the... Turn, oh, the tag corner, rope. The tag Jesus. Rope. I always forget about that. It's just a white rope that you have to hold on to in order to be tagged into a match. It's okay, Matt. Wrestlers forget about it, too. I, there's been numerous AEW shows where I believe it was uh, the Lucha Brothers Pentagon tagged in Phoenix when Phoenix was already in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris Jericho actually discussed on his podcast. He's like, yeah, I had to go to them and be like, stop it. <laughs> like... Tag team wrestling has to mean literally something. <laughs> so like, like just hold on to the rope. Uh, yeah, the tag rope is something I feel like was lost for a long time and then sort of started coming back in the early aughts. Like, because obviously the Attitude Era, I don't know if you know this about the Attitude Era map, but like WDBF's new attitude didn't even give a care about rules. Rules are lame, lamer. So they didn't care about the, the tag rope. But like, that is something that's really come back in, I would say, the last 20 years. and. I like it. I think it's cool. It keeps it, it like it. It makes it more difficult for you. Like it keeps you in your corner if you want to get in and save your partner. Exactly. And those are some of the weird rules about ropes. Also, yeah, if you ever get the chance to run the ropes in a wrestling rink, don't do it. Just go over there and feel them. Mm-hmm. Lean against them and pull them, pull on them, and you'll see it's not pretty. There's there's a I think a moment for every like fan of wrestling, maybe not every fan, but most fans where I, I've been inside a WWE ring. Um, I have felt the ground. It is not soft. It's wood. It's wood with a tiny foam padding over it. Essentially, I felt the ropes. They are super hard and not forgiving at all. Hey, Matt, how hard was the apron? Oh, it's the hardest part of the ring. That's right, Matt. <laughs> Oh, I hate, every time that gets said, I'm like, it has the most padding on it. It does have the most it's padding just, on it. <laughs> it just it just has the least amount of like There's no give like bounciness. Yeah. Well, uh, school's out of session, guys. I hope you learned something today. I learned that like it was illegal to like body slam someone over the top rope at literally any point in wrestling. I had no idea. That's one of those. Re- 
because WCW still did it. I know WWE wasn't doing it at that time. Or sorry, WWWF. When it was the mm. triple W's. Trip dub. Trip dubs. And that'll about wrap us up for this week. We learned so much. We, we learned about WCW painted up wrestlers. We learned about going to school with hitting the ropes. We learned about AEW and WWE doing shows with no audiences. We learned about RoboCop's tag team partner. So much. No, no, we didn't learn about Robo. You need to stop talking about RoboCop's tag team partner. First of all, he didn't have a tag team partner unless you're talking about Sting. In which case, RoboCop never even threw a punch. We went over this last week. But tag team. None of. Oh damn it! He was in the. None of he was in the nice. NWO Silver. NWO robots. It was it was him of, and Glacier. Oh God, none of that matters. We're not going to be talking about RoboCop next week. We did that already, but we've only barely scratched the surface on all of WCW's terrible decisions. In the meantime, you can follow WrestleBuddies on Twitter and Instagram. We are at WrestleBuddies. It's spelled exactly like WrestleBuddies should be spelled with no space between them. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Chris Hayner, C-H-R-I-S-H-A-Y-N-E-R. Hey, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at I'm Matt Elfring. That's I-M-M-A-T-E-L-F-R-I-N-G. I will be uncovering whoever RoboCop's tag team partner is every single day there. And while you're at it, go to Twitter, go to Instagram. Tell us your favorite garbage WCW characters. Don't say RoboCop. Don't say it. <sighs> Poor RoboCop. We'll see you next week. <laughs>